Welcome to Spirits Podcast, a boozy dive into mythology, legends, and folklore. Every week we pour a drink and learn about a new story from around the world. I'm Amanda. And I'm Julia. And this is episode 198, The Western Zodiac. Yeah, I'm very excited. This was one that was requested by someone in our Facebook group, and I saw it and I was like, oh, no, no, I'm not going to post that. I'm going to save it for my own private use. I love it. I learned a lot during this episode, and I think that y'all are really going to enjoy it. Yeah, I absolutely agree. We also super enjoy and are thankful for our supporting producer-level patrons whose support makes this show possible. Philip, Alicia, Deborah, Hannah, Jen, Jessica, Keegan, Landon, Megan, Megan Linger, Megan Moon, Molly, Mr. Folk, Neil, Nikki, Phil Fresh, Polly, Riley, Sarah, and Skyla, along with our legend-level patrons to whom I get to send ever uh, creepier and cooler presents each month. Audra, Chelsea, Clara, Drew, Eden, Francis, Jack Marie, Josie, Lada, Mark, Morgan, Necrofancy, Sarah, and BMEF Scotty. Yeah, it's because of y'all that we get to do this for our living, which is wild. I still can't believe that we get to do this as our job. It is uh, very much and lovely and unexpected. And it is hard to make a living in podcasting, particularly if you have to rely on ads when advertisers can cancel or pandemic related decide not to, you know, run ads for months on end. So the support we get from our patrons is truly what sustains us and makes us a viable living. So thank you. Now, Amanda, have you been in your free time listening to anything new, reading anything new, watching anything new? I sure have, Julia. I, uh, at the recommendation of several uh, very good Instagram accounts that I follow, have read An Indigenous People's History of the United States by Roxanne Dunbar-Ortiz. Sounds awesome. Tell me more. It is incredible. It is uh, all of the uh, history of the U.S. and the Americas in general. That is not a, a colonialist narrative that we were taught in schools. And the knowledge, the writing, the scholarship is all outstanding. Um, and it was written to be quite like readable as well. So this is not a situation where it's like you're reading a textbook. It is a absolutely essential read, I believe, for anybody living in the U.S. That sounds great. I am going to reserve a copy with my library right now. And Julia, after I finished that book this week, I turned to our inbox because we are getting some excellent questions and stories for our mailbag episode. This is the last week that you can submit urban legend follow-up, episode follow-up, personal stories of creepy stuff that's happened while you listen to spirits, and questions of all kinds about podcasting, our lives, spirits, um, and and what we're going to do next. So please send that to spiritspodcast at gmail.com or go to spiritspodcast.com to fill out our contact form. We're so stoked. And um, uh, for those of you who have sent in questions already, thank you so much. Yeah, and make sure that you label those emails mailbag so we can find them more easily. And then finally this week, we just wanted to let you know about some of the new fantastic merch that Multitude Shows have for sale in our merch store. We have a fantastic new sticker for Join the Party. Um, I play a character uh, who is the oldest of seven kids, only slightly more siblings than I have, um, and recite their names all in a row quickly, as anybody from a big family will understand. Uh, and so we made one of those like Mooney, Wormtail, Paffet, and Prongs shirts, you know, like with the ampersand of all of the siblings that my character Aggie has. Uh, so that is there. Potterless has some new mugs that are just in store. And our pins are gorgeous cocktail uh, copper pins that we made in collaboration with Shaker and Spoon are in stock and available. We got an email the other week about uh, holiday merch planning from DFTBA. So this shit starts early, y'all. And if you want to get a jump on buying some fantastic gifts for people in your life and support a podcast that you love along the way, go to multitude.productions slash merch to see all of the merch items from all of our shows. I will say we're going into fall, which means it's denim jacket season, which means you are 
ready to wear the perfect, most beautiful pins out there. And I do highly recommend those beautiful copper pins. That is multitude.productions slash merch. So without further ado, everybody, enjoy Spirits Podcast episode 198, The Western Zodiac. Amanda, I've noticed lately that uh, things were really, really hectic the past month or so. But uh, once we got into September, things started like really winding down, kind of everything seemed to ground itself a little bit around me, at least in my personal life. And do you know why that is? I don't know. I mean, something about getting into the fall. I look forward to sweater weather Mm. and that might be a good thing. But, you know, the baseline for events and chaos is just so much higher. But I'm glad you've experienced a little bit of of a calming recently. Thank you. And you know what I attribute it to, Amanda? I attribute it to the fact that it's Virgo season now. Oh, I've seen the memes. I want to know more. So this week, Amanda, we're going to talk about the Western Zodiac. So the Zodiac signs in astrology that came out of like Babylonian, Sumerian, and then Greek and Roman mythology, as opposed to, uh, let's say, Eastern and Chinese Zodiac or the Zodiac in uh, Hindu astrology. I'm glad that we're going to go into this because whenever I see um, astrology-related memes in the in the way that we're defining it for this episode, um, I feel like I felt before I knew really what TikTok was, mm-hmm. uh, where I was just like seeing all these memes happening, and I have no idea uh, what or why they are funny. So uh, maybe I'll leave this episode with a, a bit better understanding about like Virgo season and like lol typical Taurus. Well, that is what I'm planning on teaching you about and also where all of these signs came from and why they are so impactful in the history of the human beings. I would love to know that. It'll also tell me more about my star shards in Animal Crossing because they are characterized by the Zodiac. Wonderful. I didn't know that about Animal Crossing. Thank you for informing me more about a thing I don't know. So Amanda, human beings have been using the stars to tell time since recorded history. So the ancient Egyptians knew that the Nile would soon flood when the star Sirius began rising in the sky in mid-July. Sailors used the stars by way of navigation, and sometimes they still do. However, we don't know the first person to look up into the sky and believe that the movement of the stars across the firmament was influencing the lives of people. The director of citizen science at the NASA Space Science Education Consortium, Sten Odenwald, great name, Sten. Sten. That's one letter off from STEM. And also Stan. I thought it was Stan at first. Nope, it's Stan with an E. Cool. So he said in an interview with Time, quote, there's some indication that cave art shows this idea that animals and things can be imbued with some kind of spirit form that then has an influence on you. And if you appease that spirit form, then you will have a successful hunt. That was taken over by the idea of divination, where you can actually look at things in nature and study them carefully, such as tea leaf reading. And one of those forms of divination is astrology. So the Babylonians, Amanda, had divided the zodiac, which is the signs of astrology, into 12 signs uh, by 1500 BC. And that eventually passed into Greek mythology and their own forms of divination. Uh, Ptolemy noted the 12 signs in the Tetrabiblos, and then that helped popularize them in the second century AD. And the word zodiac even comes from the Greek word for, quote, sculpted animal figure. Cool. 
fun, right? But Amanda, there are plenty of constellations in the sky. So what is it about the zodiac signs that we attributed importance to? Well, it has everything to do with their placement in the sky. So the zodiac is specifically a band of constellations that the sun, moon, and planets move along, which the early astrologers took notice of and then thus gave them some importance. The band that is the zodiac extends, here's some fun science stuff that I probably won't understand, but here we go. So the, the band that is the zodiac extends around eight degrees either north or south of the ecliptic, which is the plane of Earth's orbit around the sun. And each of those signs occupies 30 degrees of celestial longitude. 30 times 20 is 360, thus wrapping the band around the globe. So here's how NASA described it, our good buddy Stan. Imagine a straight line drawn from Earth through the sun and out into space way beyond our solar system where the stars are. Then picture Earth following its orbit around the sun. This imaginary line would rotate, pointing to different stars throughout one complete trip around the sun or one year. All the stars that lie close to the imaginary flat disk swept out by this imaginary line are said to be in the zodiac. The constellations in the zodiac are simply the constellations that this imaginary straight line points to in its year-long journey. Makes total sense. Thanks, Sten. Sten makes it sound so much easier than when I was trying to be like, well, it's got 30 degrees of celestial longitude. It's kind I'm- of like a clock. Don't worry about it. Kind of like a clock. Don't worry about it. It shows up when it needs to. Listen, that's why I, I subscribe to Exolore, Julia, because that is where I will learn all I need to know about uh, astrophysics and even more. Absolutely. I think Moya would be able to explain this way better than I can. But hey, it's spirits time. <laughs> so because the zodiac was also used to tell time because of the placement of the constellations in the sky, the Greeks knew that the first day of spring was when Aries appeared in the sky, the constellation. And I think that is the perfect place to start in describing the origins of each of the signs. I cannot wait. So Aries, which is Latin for ram, is a fire sign, and it lasts from approximately, all these are going to be approximately, they kind of change year to year because the- uh, 360, not 365. Exactly. Uh, Ha ha. It's 364 and one quarter each year. (laughs) Ha ha. Yes. So- Aries lasts approximately from March 20th to April 21st. The sign of Aries is inspired by Chrysomalus, which you might know is the winged golden-wooled lamb of the Argonauts' golden fleece, like we talked about when we did Jason the Argonauts. So this specific ram was the child of Poseidon, who had sex with a nymph named Theophane while in ram form. He also transformed Theophane into a ewe so that they would not be interrupted while they had sex, you know, like the gods do. Ah, Theophane was the granddaughter of Helios, which explains the kind of golden nature of the ram child that was born. Uh, Before the Greeks, though, the constellation of Aries was associated with Amun-Ra by the ancient Egyptians, as well as Demuzi, the shepherd in Babylonian traditions. In astrology, Aries is associated with the color red and is ruled by the planet Mars. I'm sure I can really get into like the nuances of being an Aries and like all of the signs, like what they are kind of defined by, but that would be an extremely long episode if we did. And I already think that this is going to be a long episode. So I'm going to hint the simplest strengths and weaknesses of each of these. So Aries are considered courageous and determined, but are also known to be impulsive and short-tempered. So it's in their nature to take action. And for all of these, I'm assuming that something about the like titular constellation and the qualities of whatever it's named after like is that what's influencing the kind of archetypes it is that and it's also like the planet that is like 
quote-unquote rules it or is in the sky during this zodiac sign's reign in the clouds. Gotcha. In the stars. So, yeah, I think that it's uh, it is very generalized. And I will say, like, I think when it comes to astrology, I'm very, like, give and take. Like, sometimes it is easy to be like, well, you know, I'm a Libra, so I like to, you know, have balance and stuff like that. But I think that people who are like, well, I would never date a Scorpio because they're always so <laughs> jealous are a little bit like... Okay. Okay, buds. I think that if you find it helpful and if it's something that helps you, you know, have introspection and to look at what's important to you, what might be challenges for you, what you think of as your strengths, and also what you look for in others and like what is attractive to you and like a friend or a mate. Um, I don't see much difference between this and like a quote of the day calendar, you know, or a meditation app or anything else that kind of gives you a lens with which to approach like your day or introspection about your life. Sure. And we talked about that when we talked about tarot cards a while back is that it is a great lens in which to to examine your own life and the things that are going on there. It doesn't necessarily need to be the way that you walk through life ruled by the the forces of the stars or what have you. Yeah. And for me, I know that one of my um, kind of depression uh, fun bag of tricks side effects is uh, sort of like a paralysis when thinking about myself. And I just I sort of like I seen like a, a peeled potato or something where I'm just kind of <laughs> sitting there and I'm like, I, I don't know what I am or what I like or what I want. And so having something to kind of bounce off against, like to echolocate against is really, really helpful um, in the way that, you know, sometimes when making decisions, if I think of two different options, if I think to myself, okay, well, I'm going to flip a coin. And if it lands on, you know, A or B, if I have a gut reaction that's like, oh, God, not B, or like, oh, thank God, it's A, then that is a helpful piece of information to know. So sometimes you need something to bounce off against. And who knows, Amanda, that might be a, a sign of Pisces, which I know that's your sign. It is. We'll see. It's usually listed last. Is that usually last? It is because they start with Aries in the, the ah. calendar, and that starts in March. And so Pisces ends in March. So there we go. Cool. Well, I look forward to getting to it. We'll get to it. But next in the order, Amanda, is Taurus, which is the bull. So this lasts from, again, around April 21st to May 20th. It shouldn't be too surprising that the bull is one of the zodiac signs. So many Western ancient traditions worshipped bulls or had myths that featured bulls. You might remember, Amanda, the story of the bull of heaven when we covered the Epic of Gilgamesh. It's because of this story and the fact that it dates back to the early Bronze Age that it's likely that this was historical historically the first zodiac sign to be established, which I think is really interesting, kind of knowing which one is first is always good. And there was a heavenly bull in the Egyptian beliefs as well, which was represented by the same constellation. For the Egyptians, the constellation, when it was covered by the sun, acted as a, as a sacrifice that renewed the land, kind of like sacrificing a bull to the gods. Makes sense. And for Greek mythology, Taurus was the representation of Zeus, who transformed into a bull to abduct Europa, or when he changed his lover Io into a bull to hide her from Hera. There's also the Cretan bull who was one of the labors of Hercules. I think very early on in Spirits, I was like, it would be really exciting to learn about all of Zeus's sexual exploits. And now I know too much. No, it's, it's <laughs> too much. And I really much. would never want to do all of them. There's several no. in this episode already, and I'm not a fan of it. No, no, no. Too much trauma. So Taurus is a Earth sign. It is ruled by the planet Venus. Green is associated with Taurus, and they are typically defined by their patience, devotion, and responsibility, but also by their stubbornness and possessiveness. So they tend to be practical and well-grounded. 
kind of like a bull. I see it. Yeah. Let's move on next to Gemini or the twins. Their reign is from May 21st to June 21st. And chances are you have at least heard of the twins that the constellation is based off of, which is Castor and Pollux. Uh, That sounds like a uh, very hip Instagram menswear brand. (laughs) I don't think I've heard of them. Well, we talked about them a little bit when we did the Jason and the Argonauts episode because Castor and Pollux were both Argonauts themselves, and Ah, they were the children of Leda. You might remember Pollux was the son of Zeus, while Castor was the son of Leda's husband, who was the king of Sparta. And Leda, you'll remember, was either seduced or raped by Zeus in the form of a swan, depends on which translation you're reading. And the story goes that Castor, being fully mortal, died, and Pollux went to Zeus to beg his father that his brother would become immortal as well. So Zeus, in response, placed them both among the stars so that they would not be separated and thus created the Gemini constellation. Classic Zeus. Yes, but only if you die as well. Yes. And Gemini, along with a lot of the other zodiac symbols, was described by Ptolemy in the second century AD. So Gemini is an air sign. It is ruled by the planet Mercury. Yellow is their color. And Gemini tend to be affectionate, curious, and are adaptable. But they're also like nervous and indecisive. Gemini tend to be defined by the fact that they can show one face or the other. So you never know quite what you're going to get with them. Sounds like someone who dated a Gemini and has bad feelings about it. So Cancer is up next, the crab, though sometimes it is represented by a lobster or a crayfish. Go mountain lobsters from Join the Party. Hey. Cancer reigns from June 20th to July 22nd and is another sign that is also recorded by Ptolemy in the second century. Here, however, it was named Carcanos in Ptolemy's description. This is a reference to the crab that was crushed under the foot of Hercules when he was fighting the Hydra, which it was like fighting on the Hydra's side. Hera sent both the Hydra and Carcanos to fight Hercules so that he would, you know, fail his labors. And so Hera placed the remains of the crab in the sky for fighting alongside with the Hydra and battling for her against Hercules. I mean, that's a very sweet pet grave for Hera to create. Yeah, it's it's really sad. Hercules just kind of steps on this giant crab and yeah. then it dies. Oh. In ancient Egypt, Cancer was a scarab beetle, while in Mesopotamia, it was a turtle. Oftentimes, it was represented as pushing the sun across the heavens, representing the summer solstice arriving. Uh, Yesterday, deliriously tired, watching reruns of Survivor, uh, I said out loud, wow, crabs really just walk sideways, huh? They do. They just really do. (laughs) I think it's so cute. You look at them, and it looks like they're going to walk at you, but no, they go sideways. No, it's just easier. (laughs) The legs move that way. (laughs) So good. Uh, Cancer is a water sign and it is ruled by the moon. Their color is white and they tend to be loyal, persuasive and emotional, but also moody and pessimistic. You know, I see that every quality has a a sort of negative side to it. Oh, yes. There's positive and negative for all of the all of the signs. We'll talk about it later when we get to mine. So they're very good at reading people. They're like deeply intuitive and very sensitive and sentimental. And they are very loyal to their friends and become very attached to people that they keep close. So cancers are usually a really good friend. Sounds great. And then it's Leo time, which is from July 22nd to August 22nd. And the lion rules the sky. It is said that Leo, out of all the 
constellations in the zodiac is one of the earliest recognized, dating back to 4000 BCE. The Persians saw him as a lion, as did the Syrians and the Indians. In Sumeria, they believed the constellation to be that of Humbaba, which was a monster that was killed by Gilgamesh. Falling back once again to the labors of Hercules, the Greeks thought that the constellation was the Nemean lion, who was slayed as one of the first labors. You might remember that the Nemean lion was being like a menace. It was stealing women and then dragging them back to its cave so that it could use them as bait for heroes, which is a very smart lion, very intelligent lion. However, the skin of the lion could not be pierced by swords and spears, so none of the heroes were able to, you know, defeat it. So Hercules, you know, being somewhat smart for a himbo, realized that he wouldn't be able to kill it with a sword and instead killed it with his bare hands. And Zeus was so impressed by this, to say the least, and put the lion into the sky as a constellation as a reminder of the accomplishment. Incredible. Zeus is just like, mm you know what? A constellation for you, a constellation for you. Everyone's a constellation <laughs> now. Uh, Leo is a fire sign associated with gold or yellow or orange, but you know, just basically like fire and lion colors. It is ruled by the sun, of course. Leos are creative and passionate people with a bad habit of being a little bit arrogant, self-centered, and inflexible. They tend to be natural-born leaders or else thrive in the center of attention. And the uh, the king of the jungle is an apt description for them a lot of the time. They're very good at attracting people to them. I was just thinking, why is the lion such an iconic animal for so many societies and kind of just human um, like representation in general? And I think it just looks the most real. It's just a big, big animal, too. Big. And it is like, you know, the, the head of the food chain. Apex predator. Totally. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So lion, big deal for everyone, even places that didn't really have lions. That said, um, uh, human beings interacting with like rescue lions that couldn't be released into the wild. One of my favorite genres of YouTube videos. <laughs> yes. As long as they're ones that like cannot be sent back into the wild. Absolutely agree. I love when like, yes, it was like this man saved this lion when he was just a baby and they're reunited 10 years later and the lion recognizes him and like welcomes oh, yeah. him into the pack. Oh, it's incredible. I'm just I'm going to cry forever. Yeah. <laughs> Next up is Virgo, the maiden or the virgin, with a reign from August 23rd to September 22nd. We're just getting out of Virgo season right now as this episode comes out. The Greeks related this constellation to Demeter as they also associated her with wheat. They also associated the constellation with Parthenos, whose sister, this is a whole complicated story. So Parthenos's sister was impregnated by Apollo. Their father found out about the pregnancy, didn't know Apollo was the father. So he tossed her into a box and then drowned her in the river because, you know, dishonor on the family, pregnancy without a marriage, not great. Yikes. Parthenos and her remaining sister kind of lived in fear of their father after that. And then they did something that angered him. So they fled away and they attempted to toss themselves off a cliff rather than face their father's rage. But both of them were saved by Apollo. It's fine. Okay. In another story, Parthenos is the daughter of Apollo rather than the sister of his lover. And when she dies of a young age, they don't really specify why she died. Uh, he immortalizes her in the stars as a constellation. Again, the Greeks love it when they're just immortalizing people in the stars. It's how we get all of our constellations. It is the true Hollywood Walk of Fame. Yes, exactly. It's the Olympus Walk of Fame. Virgo is also associated with Astria in Greek mythology. She was the virgin goddess of justice and purity. She was the last of the gods to live among the humans. And when the Iron Age began, she fled Earth because of the wickedness of humanity and became the constellation Virgo. <laughs> Which I get that. She had the right idea. You guys, you guys are, are, not, are not pulling it together. I'm just going to... 
get out of here. He's like, ooh, this is this is a little messy. I'm going to go, which makes sense when yeah. I describe the Virgo to you. So Virgo is Fair. an earth sign uh, associated with the color gray. It is ruled by Mercury, and they are known to be kind, hardworking, and practical, but also can be shy and overly critical of both themselves and others. They are very detail-oriented and approach life methodically, which sometimes can make them feel closed off to the rest of the world. Again, I know um, that our, our identification with these signs is completely voluntary, uh, but my, my half birthday is during Virgo season, and I see a lot of myself uh, in this. That makes sense. That makes sense. And Amanda, we'll hit the back end of the Zodiac, but first, let's get a refill. Let's do it. Julie, we talked a little bit in the intro about the fact that we have a, a strange job, which is professional podcaster. Mm -hmm. And particularly when, you know, throughout the course of the show, folks have heard us go from, you know, hey, we've started this podcast, we hate our jobs, like we're going to happy hour kind of too often, um, all the way through to, to this being our work. And at least for me, when you kind of hit a milestone like that, or when you're able to make a hobby into a career, it can kind of leave you adrift. Like you, you go after this one goal for so long that when you then get there, it's sort of like, oh, man, like, I guess I need to decide something else or like make new goals or sort of figure out what to do. And so I checked Skillshare, which is my always my go-to for creative and business-related classes to help improve your creativity and your skills, even your career. And I took the class Set Creative Goals by Onmar Wynn. And I really enjoyed it. This is for creative professionals of all kinds. And I felt a lot of like solidarity and guidance. It can feel kind of silly to, to say like, how do I set a goal? Uh, I, I guess. Um, <laughs> but this class made it really doable. And my favorite thing about Skillshare is all of the lessons are broken down into little chunks, like five or six minute videos where you can watch one and then do an exercise or do your life and then come back to it later. It's super flexible. So for you to get a two month long free trial of Skillshare, Skillshare Premium. Just go to Skillshare.com slash Spirits 2. That is Skillshare.com slash Spirits and then the number 2 to get two months of Skillshare Premium for free. That's so much time to take so many classes from Skillshare. Fantastic. Man, I know one of the biggest challenges for me is getting to sleep and staying asleep. Like I have blackout curtains, I have a white noise machine, and I still wake up in the middle of the night sometimes or struggle to fall asleep. And getting a good night's sleep can be really, really difficult. And when you run on too little sleep, it takes a serious toll on like your mental health and your physical health. And that's why we're really excited to partner with Calm, which is a mental fitness app designed to help you relieve anxiety and improve your sleep because improving your sleep can like literally change your life. Calm helps you ease stress and get the best sleep of your life. They have a whole library of programs designed for healthy sleep, like soundscapes, they have guided meditations, and over a hundred sleep stories that are narrated by very soothing but familiar voices like LeVar Burton and Nick Offerman and Lucy Liu. I really enjoyed one last night uh, that was set on a train, and Ooh. there's a whole subgenre of train sleep stories that I cannot get enough of. I just picture myself in a little little sleeper cabin and listen to them describe the scenery going by. It is uh, r truly magical how quickly it helps me fall asleep. Well, you could also fall asleep to beautiful train stories by going to calm.com slash spirits, and you'll get a limited time offer of 40% off a Calm premium subscription, which includes hundreds of hours of programming. Over 70 million people around the world use Calm to take care of their minds and get better sleep, and you can get the Calm app and experience a transformation in the way that you sleep. Again, Calm is offering a special limited time promotion of 40% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash spirits. That's C-A-L-M dot com slash spirits. And that is 40% off the unlimited access to Calm's entire library and new content is added every week. And finally, Julia, we are sponsored by Stitch Fix. And there is nothing I like more to mark a transition in seasons, which 
I feel is more um, necessary than ever these days when every day, you know, feels kind of the same. It is amazing to wake up to like a cool breeze, you know, Mm. for the first time in so long. And I love being able to switch out my summer wardrobe for my fall sweaters and, and rompers and pants and like nice blouses, many of which are from Stitch Fix. Yeah, I'm wearing a pair of Stitch Fix joggers right now. Like for the first time, I'm wearing long pants for the entire season. And it's really, really nice. One of my first Stitch Fix ads, I think I talked about a green uh, like knitted sweater I got with elbow patches. And Julia, it's three years later. I wear that thing every other week. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Stitch Fix truly like this is not one of the bullet points even in the copy here, but like the quality is real. And it is very exciting to know that you can let them know your size, your budget, the amount kind of amount you want to spend on each item. And they will send you things that are handpicked exactly for you. You can do their extremely addictive and fun like online style quizzes where you give like a thumbs up or a thumbs down to different outfits. Uh, For someone like me who's not on dating apps, I feel like it kind of scratches a similar Mm -hmm. itch. And there is just a $20 styling fee for each fix, which is credited automatically toward anything you keep. So you can schedule it at any time. You don't even have to sign up for a subscription, though you can, which is a nice way to refresh your wardrobe every so often. Yeah. So Stitch Fix is that personal styling company that does the hard work for you. They make great style effortless for everybody, including men, women, children, non-binary folk, kids. And you can get started today at stitchfix.com spirits, and you'll get 25% off when you keep everything in your fix. Shipping, exchanges, and returns are easy and free, which is a must for me in any online shopping. So go to stitchfix.com slash spirits for 25% off when you keep everything in your fix. Stitchfix.com slash spirits. And now let's get back to the show. So Amanda, I found a website called Drizzly, which assigned cocktails for each astrological sign. And I'll, I'll link the article in the show notes. But I wanted to see if you felt as though yours would be your taste for this episode. So Amanda, you're a Pisces. So they recommended the cocktail, the Martinique to you, which is a mixture of Chambord, vodka, lemon juice, and mango juice. Uh, not particularly. What's the Virgo one? The Virgo one, Amanda is the Elder Perry Sangria. So it is white wine, St. Germain, pear nectar, and blackberries. I do like that one quite a lot. So maybe I'm just in my personal Virgo season right now. That's probably true. You know, we are all going through Virgo season right now. Maybe you just needed something a little bit more grounded and not as like exotic and alluring, quote unquote, as (laughs) the uh, Martinique. As for me, they recommended the Endless Summer which is tequila, Cointreau, creme de cassis, orange, and lime juice, which is dramatic yet graceful, according to the website. <laughs> uh, but it does legit sound very good and uh, very on par for what I like. It does. I also uh, used Drizzly early in quarantine to um, order liquor from my local liquor store. So it's a totally unsponsored thing that I like. A, a recommendation for you. Not a sponsorship recommendation. No SponCon here. There you go. And Amanda, speaking of my cocktail, my sign, uh, Libra is up next. And Libra is the scales. It rains from September 23rd to October 22nd. The scales being referred to are the scales of Themis, who is the Greek embodiment of divine law and custom, and who would eventually become the representation of Lady Justice in modernity. The Babylonians also saw the constellation as scales or balances, though sometimes they were represented as the claws of the scorpion. 
However, when it was the scales, they were held by the Babylonian god Shamash, who was the god of truth and justice. So Libra is an air sign. It's associated with the color pink or green and is ruled by Venus. Libras are diplomatic and cooperative, but also can be indecisive, avoid confrontation, and are known to carry a grudge. So personally, I think I associate more with the bad qualities of Libra than the good qualities. But partnerships are really important to Libras because partnerships act as a uh, like other person that can balance them out, which is really important to a Libra. Nice. They need someone else on the other side of the scales to keep things balanced. And I uh, I think that's legit. Man, Greek mythology is such a like uncredited remix of <laughs> the world before it. Almost all Western mythology is just a remix True. of the world before it. The Romans copied the Greeks who copied the Babylonians who copied the Mesopotamians and so on and so forth. So like I said, Libra was seen as the claws of the scorpion, which makes sense since the next sign is Scorpio. So Scorpio is the constellation Scorpius, whose story is tied to the hunter Orion. So Orion, who is very into Artemis, once bragged to her that he would could he could and would kill every animal on the planet artemis hated that idea since she was a nature goddess and she and her mother banded together to send a giant deadly scorpion to kill orion read the room my dude i know so orion and scorpius doing this big battle zeus is impressed by said battle between the hunter and the scorpion and thus raises them both in the sky to immortalize the battle again making constellations thanks zeus it is said sometimes that the scorpion will continue to chase orion throughout the sky for the rest of eternity, which I think is great. I was going to say, I kind of like the image of Scorpio like turning around to, you know, put its claws into the previous sign. Yes. So it's it's chasing Orion through the sky. And I, I think yeah. that's a really cool image. Uh, Scorpio is a water sign. It's associated with the color red. It is ruled by both Pluto and Mars. And Scorpios are resourceful, brave, and stubborn and can be secretive and jealous. So they're very determined and assertive people and can be fiercely emotional. You do not want to cross a Scorpio. You don't want to betray their trust because they will come back with a vengeance. Sagittarius is up next, the archer and sometimes known as a centaur in the sky from November 23rd to December 21st, which makes sense because the Greeks associated this sign with the centaur Chiron, who you might remember being the mentor to Achilles. I sure do. But before the Greeks, the Babylonians pictured Sagittarius as the god Nurgle. Nurgle was a sun god, but specifically only the destructive force of the sun. So like the sun at noon on a summer day kind of sun, the sun that like scorches the earth and burns your skin and destroys your crops, as well as being associated with pestilence and war. So Nurgle, not great. Totally makes sense to like divide out the the sort of sun as like wonderful life giver and sun as no, 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 too much life destroyer. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that makes a lot of sense. And they should do that more in mythology, in my opinion. Nurgle was often depicted with a bow. So when the Greeks adopted the imagery, it blended Chiron the centaur and Nurgle together. In Greek mythology, Sagittarius was said to have been placed in the sky by Chiron himself as a way to guide the Argonauts as they sought out the Golden Fleece. Again, sailors using the stars as navigation. I love that. Totally. Sagittarius is a fire sign associated with the color blue. They are ruled over by Jupiter. And Sagittarius are known to be generous and idealistic while being blunt and often promising more than they can actually deliver. So they really value freedom above all else, but can be a little bit tactless as a result. I hope no one's uh, no one gets offended by these descriptions that I'm reading out here because like these are just like the 
things that are associated with these signs. I'm not saying like all Sagittarius's promise more than what they deliver and whatnot. It's just the uh, the general consensus about these signs. I think most conspirators know. Most conspirators are cool. They get it. Okay. We're, we're, we're talking about archetypes here. And I think all of these signs really take, you know, the qualities that make somebody good in excess can also be negative. And that's true of almost everything in life. That is absolutely true. Right you are, Amanda. We're going to move on now to Capricorn, who is the sea goat, my favorite of all the types of signs. Uh, It ranges from December 21st to January 21st. And who cares? Let's talk about sea goats. Yeah. So like the name suggests, it is the front half of a goat and the back half of a fish. I knew you were going to ask which which is which. The uh, sea goat has been around since the Bronze Age and the Mesopotamians, often used by the Babylonians a bit later to represent the god Enki, who you might remember is the god of the waters and creation. The name Capricorn, represented by the constellation Capricornus, means horned goat or just having horns like a goat. For the Greeks, it was not a sea goat, but rather just like a regular goat and was represented as Almathea, who was the goat that suckled Zeus when Rhea hid him in order to save him from being devoured by Kronos. The Greeks also associated the constellation with the god Pan because of his goat-like appearance and also because Pan was able to save himself from the serpent monster Typhon by giving himself a fishtail and then diving into a river and swimming away. Cute. Great job, Pan. I love it. And just a fun little note as well, in Hindu astrology, which maybe we'll cover that at some point, Capricorn is equated to Makata, who is the crocodile. Love it. Capricorn is a earth sign represented by either brown or black. It is ruled by Saturn, and Capricorns are known to be responsible with great self-control, but can be a little bit condescending and unforgiving at times, because Capricorn is often seen as the sign that represents responsibility and the passage of time. Capricorns can be serious masters of self self-control, which makes them great managers. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. Manage their own time, manage other people's time, you know, Capricorns. Real good in positions of authority. Alongside Leo's. Okay. So speaking of water and sea goats, our next sign is Aquarius, which reigns from January 21st to February 20th. Aquarius, as you might guess from the name, is the water bearer. The Greeks saw this as Ganymede, who I feel like we've spoken about before, but if we haven't, Ganymede was a young man who was the son of the king of Troy and was spotted by Zeus while he was tending to his father's flock in the field. Oh yeah, boy toy. Yes, boy toy. (laughs) Zeus found him extremely beautiful, fell in love, and then he flew down from Olympus as a giant eagle and flew away with Ganymede, who was then brought back to Olympus and made the cupbearer to the gods. The Babylonians had a different image of Aquarius, however. They saw the constellation as representing the chief god himself, Ea. The Egyptians saw Aquarius as being associated with the flooding of the Nile, where uh, Aquarius, when he put his jug of water into the river, it meant that spring would begin and the floods would soon be there. Always a good sign. Always a good sign, especially when you live on the Nile River. Aquarius is an air sign, which doesn't really make sense, but whatever astrology, I guess. I was going to say, it sounds like we're in the water corner of the year. Yeah, we're, we're not, though, because that's an air sign, apparently. I guess. It's represented by the color silver and is ruled by both Uranus and Saturn. Aquarius is an independent and original person, but can come across as temperamental, uncompromising, and aloof. Aquarius tend to be influenced and adapt to the energy around them, but will be introverts. They, they need time to recharge by being alone which I get. I understand that. Thanks, Aquarius. 
And finally, Amanda, we end with your sign, Pisces, the fish. It is from February 19th to March 20th. And interestingly, the Greeks don't picture it just as a fish. They saw them as ichthyocentaurs or, you know, seahorses. Like literally oh, a horse with a, with a tail. That's where ethicology comes from. Exactly. It's it's basically the, the Greek for fish and the centaur because it's also part horse. There you go. These seahorses accompanied Aphrodite from the sea when she was born out of the sea foam. I know we've talked about that before. We don't have to get uh-huh, to the specifics. Uh-huh. Nope, we don't. <laughs> it was also said that they were the fish that she and Eros transformed into so they could escape Typhon as well. You remember that he attacked Pan earlier, who then transformed into Capricornus. In another story, they were simply just giant fish that took the two of those gods to safety. And as thanks for their service, Aphrodite raised them into constellations in the sky. Again, there's a lot of raising of constellations. (laughs) I wonder if that's a good or a bad thing. Like, do they want to be raised or do they want to, you know, die a giant fish death? Well, Amanda, if the Disney movie Hercules has taught me anything, (laughs) it's a real honor to be lifted into the sky as a constellation. That is also what the beautiful and devastating uh, Switch game Spiritfarer has taught me. Oh, rip. I love that. The sign of Pisces is also associated with Vishnu in Hinduism and Inanna in Sumerian mythology. So Pisces is a water sign. This one makes sense, at least. (laughs) It's represented by the color purple and ruled by Neptune and Jupiter. Amanda, this is your sign, obviously, as we talked about. Uh, You are supposed to be artistic, wise, and intuitive, which I think are all accurate for you. Thank you. But you can also be overly trusting and sometimes fearful of decisions, which is a desire to escape reality. Oh, yeah. No, that that checks out. Yep. Uh, Which, given the current world, I don't blame you for. (laughs) Uh, You tend to be attracted to people who are very different from you, and you're always willing to help, and you're a great judge of character because you're so intuitive. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is there anything in there about uh, crippling people-pleasing? Is that in there at all? I think it's the desire and willingness to always help people, even if, you know, they might not help you back. Totally. There we go. All right. And Amanda, that's that's the Western Zodiac for you. I feel like I have so much more knowledge now about all the memes about Virgo season. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And all the Leos in my life who were just yelling constantly for the entirety of uh, August. <laughs> I understand Julia, that. I think that might just be spending too much time with too many Italians. You know what the problem is? I just have a lot of friends and my husband are all Leos. <laughs> There's too many Leos in my life. It's because I'm bad at making decisions and Leos are very good at them. That is always a uh, a nice thing when you have a compliment like that. That is absolutely true. And Amanda, like we talked about before, I'm not wholeheartedly like 100% into astrology and the zodiac and stuff like that. I don't check my horoscope every day or anything like that. But like we said before, I really do think that this is a, a good way to kind of Look at your life through a lens that helps you learn more about yourself. Absolutely. I think uh, tools for introspection are helpful if they don't harm anybody else. And, um, you know, writing off dating somebody because of their astrological sign, I don't know if I would do it. Uh, Legend has it that my uh, one of my dad's sisters did that to my mom when they first met. Uh, She was right in the end, but uh, still not a cool thing to hear on your first visit to your future husband's family. Yeah. Yeah. Not great. But if it is something that allows you to kind of look at your um, strengths and areas that you want to work on or things that you value in a partner um, in business or in life, then I think that's great. Yeah. And I think this is kind of one of those things where you can take what you want and leave what you want. I heard the phrase once, uh, cafeteria 
Catholic, where it's like you take what you want from the religion and, you know, leave the stuff behind that you don't think is right. And I think that I am a, a, a cafeteria astrologist when it comes down to it. I don't I totally. don't need to really be thinking about you know, well, if my if my moon sign is in this, that means my love life is going to be like that. And I really need to be careful about the people I surround myself with, which like, yeah, you do have to be careful with the people you surround yourself with. But I'm not going to go around asking potential friends like, so when were you born and at what time and uh, how are you doing? Let me just do your star chart real quick. Just do your star um, chart but no, I, I think, too, there is something about kind of focusing on one challenge or one habit at a time. And, you know, you read that when you read about the the science and psychology of uh, making new habits or changing habits of yours. And you can't do 10 of them at once. It, it really is most effective to focus on one at a time. Um, and the actual like unit of recommendation that people tend to recommend is, you know, focus on one habit for a month. And like that is kind of a milestone of uh, doing something new or changing something that you already do. So if it makes sense for you to focus on a different area of personal development as we move into different star signs, I think that's great. Yeah. And especially if you take responsibility for these things, like I know that I am not great at making decisions, but I can't spend my time being like, oh, I'm sorry, I couldn't choose between these two things, guys. It's because I'm a Libra. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Absolutely. And I'm very curious from the conspirators, if astrology is a meaningful way for you to think about your life, we'd love to to hear why and how. And if you have other things that you kind of use as tools for introspection and for kind of relating to the world and how you navigate it, um, I'd also be curious to hear about that. Yeah, yeah. I think that there's a lot to be said about using these kind of forms of divination, I guess, is is the right word for it. Using these forms of divination to examine your life in a way that you might not be able to in traditional means. Totally. We are at Spirits Podcast on social or spiritspodcast at gmail.com. Yes. Or spiritspodcast.com slash contact. That is also an option to contact us. Well, Julia, I really appreciate you taking me on this tour of the Zodiac. Um, I hope all all Virgos have, uh, you know, survived and are, are doing well. Fellow Pisces, what up? I do love the color purple. There you go. And that's all I got to say about that. Yeah, uh, Virgos, your time is ending and it's Libra time. <laughs> so everyone have a good month or so worth of uh, making difficult decisions and uh, finding balance in your life. And remember to stay creepy. Stay cool. Thanks again to our sponsors at Skillshare.com slash Spirits2. You can get two free months of Skillshare Premium. At Calm.com slash Spirits, you can get 40% off a Calm Premium subscription. And at StitchFix.com slash Spirits, you'll get 25% off when you keep everything in your fix. Spirits was created by Amanda McLaughlin, Julia Shafini, and Eric Schneider, with music by Kevin McLeod and visual design by Allison Wakeman. Keep up with all things creepy and cool by following us at Spirits Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Tumblr. We also have all of our episode transcripts, guest appearances, and merch on our website, as well as a form to send us your urban legends at spiritspodcast.com. Join our member community on Patreon, patreon.com slash spiritspodcast for all kinds of behind the scenes stuff. Just $1 gets you access to audio extras with so much more available too. Recipe cards, director's commentaries, exclusive merch, and real physical gifts. 
We are a founding member of Multitude, a collective of independent audio professionals. If you like spirits, you will love the other shows that live on our website at multitude.productions. And above all else, if you liked what you heard today, please share us with your friends. That is the very best way to help us keep on growing. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time.